0: Welcome to Blaine, Christ the King. You are listening to our weekly service message podcast. Join us every Sunday
1: morning at ten o'clock at our campus location in Blaine, Washington. Thanks for tuning in. As you know, um, we don't we don't own this building. Can you tell that we don't own this building? This we didn't set up. Um, it's very patriotic but we did not set up the decorations um, and we've been here now for uh, since October of last year and uh, our lease runs out in December and so we've been praying for a long time God um, where do you want us and uh, us and Brent and Lloyd on the advisory team had been praying and trying to figure out, okay, we need to maybe start like a, a building committee or what do we need to do? Because um, we were, weren't having much luck finding anything in Blaine. And uh, so I had this meeting a couple weeks ago and um, just with a, a potential, like probably our best, the best lead we had. And um, I went and talked to this guy and it was just really clear that we weren't going to get that space. And so I was really <laughs> discouraged, like, dang it. Okay, well, what do? we do now? And then not like two minutes after that meeting ended, I get an email from Shauna Walton, who's our network administrator. And she said, Hey, I just talked to this lady and I I think I have a building for you. (laughs) And so, um, very cool, God has provided a space for us, we looked at it last week, um, but yeah, God has provided a space for us, um, there's there's a, it's a church called Life Impact Church that is moving out of their building, if you know where they're at, they're on the corner of 4th and Cherry Street, and they're actually moving out, and um, this is a picture of it right here, there's a Montessori school there, Peace Arch, see, that's pretty cool. Um, but, uh, but God has opened up the door, and um, it's pretty amazing. Like, it's, it's gonna be about what we're paying right now for this space five hours a week. Um, we can have a permanent uh, location, space to use during the week and stuff. Uh, we'll, we'll have like a living room, guys. It's pretty exciting. <laughs> uh, and so, so I'm really pumped up about this, and the cool thing is is that Life Impact is moving to another location at the end of November. And our lease ends in December. And so um, we're, looking at, uh, we're looking at starting there in December 1st. So I oh, just want to praise God. Can we just, yeah, give it up for that. So cool. Um, You know, we thought we were gonna have to spend a lot of energy looking for something and preparing something, Um, but God's given us something that's almost move-in ready. I mean, we just get to come in and people who like to decorate stuff get to have fun, basically. And so, um, that's not me, obviously. Um, But yeah, so we are just really pumped. God has really provided, and uh, so we're just excited for that. So come December 1st, we'll have a home base, which is awesome, so praise God for that. Praise God for that. Um, so this morning I'm not preaching. Um, so this just been nice over the month of August to have a little bit of space to do some other work in preparation for the fall. And uh, so Derek, our network pastor at CTK, um, is uh, is preaching for us. And I love Derek. Um, Derek is technically my boss, but he's more of a friend. Um, he's more of a mentor. Uh, he's someone who um, I respect and love, not because of his position, but because of the way that he just pursues God and uh, the way that he just runs after God. And he's been, if you talk to people around Wacom County, like Derek's had a hand in a lo- starting a lot of things, including CTK Blaine. Um, when I was, uh, you know, when I was thinking about God, what's the next step in my life? Derek kind of called it out before I even knew what that was. And so um, Derek's just a, a great friend. And he's going to continue our series today um, called In For and With Engaging Our Community. So let's welcome Derek this morning. <clears throat>
0: in for and with the community so moving stressful I'm gonna explain the sore throat in just a second but uh, I worked just out of college with a moving company and found out that moving is one of the most stressful life events you see people at their craziest and uh, yeah I know you just moved you know you're changing everything where everything goes and uh, last night I had a spider move into my bedroom yeah and uh, it bit me on the back of the neck so I'm not sure yet I haven't verified whether or not it's a radioactive spider uh, I can't climb walls but if I were able to I don't know if I could tell you anyway so I don't know all the spider-man rules all all I know is I woke up this morning with a sore throat and a dire need of Benadryl anyone have any yeah so I might need some water Ugh, I'm getting a little bit clumped up here but um. But yes, that was supposed to be funny. Uh, the, uh, you guys are all like, man, is this guy going to be okay? Tyler's like, do I have to take you to the hospital? I'm like, nah, I'm good. S- the, the, s- the, yeah, the, the sore throat. <laughs> throat. Well, maybe, maybe. We'll see, we'll, see, we'll see how this goes. But I didn't sing this morning. I just kind of mimed the words. So, But I was worshiping right there with you. So thank you for that. Yeah, so um, we're talking about Jesus moving into our community. Um, He moved into an earth suit, a little bitty baby one. Um, He moved into the world that he created. Jesus moved into our world. And um, yeah, before we get into the message, would you pray with me? Father God, I I, uh, I confess that I take the truth of you leaving heaven and emptying yourself and becoming a human lightly. And sometimes I say it without thinking of how incredible and how wondrous it is. God, what a sacrifice it must have been for you to leave the glory of heaven and being worshipped continually to come down here and be misunderstood, to be beaten spit on, mocked, hated for doing nothing wrong but living righteously. And Father God, we thank you for that sacrifice. And this morning, I ask that you would help us align our hearts and our souls around the truth of who you are. I invite you, Holy Spirit, to convict the areas of us that need to be convicted, to encourage the areas of us that need to be encouraged. I want you to be the Lord of my life, God, the Lord of this community, the Lord of Blaine Washington. We've been praying with this with this church plant and uh, with coming to Blaine, that, that we would see your kingdom come and your will be done in Blaine as in heaven. And that is centered around the lordship of you in all things. So God, would you help us this morning to, to worship you, to respond to you, and to be awakened to the things of you this morning together in your name through the power of your Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Thank you. Jesus moved into our world. The message states it like this. The word was first. The word was present to God. God present to the word. The word was God in readiness from God from day one. Everything was created through him. Nothing, not one thing came into being without him. What came into existence was life and the life was light to live by the life light blazed out of the darkness the darkness couldn't put it out and in verse 14 the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood I just love that line we saw the glory with our own eyes the one-of-a-kind glory like father like son generous inside and out true from start to finish And the message is a paraphrase by Eugene Peterson. The the NIV translation states in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. The word God moved into the neighborhood. The word God made his dwelling among us. I did not grow up in church. I um, actually grew up Um, with around a lot of death and tragic death. My grandpa had died tragically. My uncle had died tragically. Then my other uncle died tragically. My father died tragically. So tragic death was something I was familiar with. So when I heard about the tragic death of Jesus and, and Jesus dying on the cross, Jesus being crucified, I didn't understand what the big deal was. Crucifixion was a common practice of the Romans in this time in history. And in fact, as you know, Jesus was crucified between two others. Why then? was the tragic death of Jesus more significant than the tragic death of others. There've been tragic deaths. There've been martyrdoms. There've been murders. There have been, uh, tragedies throughout history. Why then was the tragic death of Jesus more significant? You see, I was minimizing the death of one man because of the death of many, instead of seeing how the death of one man saved the lives of many because Jesus is not just any man. Jesus is, is God And Jesus chose to come in to our world. Jesus moved in to our neighborhood. And he didn't just move in to be a good neighbor and, and cut his yard um, as often and short as our neighbors in Linden. <laughs> Jesus moved in for you and I. And he expressed an incredible love uh, on the cross, and it didn't end there. He rose uh, from the dead. And then he gives the world incredible access to him. The curtain to the Holy of Holies is torn, and he gives us his Holy Spirit. This is not just significant, it's the most significant. Because if God came into the world, then we are not alone. We're not just on our own spinning on this planet. If God died for us so that we can be forgiven, then forgiveness is possible. If God commanded us to love, then love is essential. We can be love and we can give love. We're both loved and loving. And if God came to set us free, then we can live lives of freedom. And isn't that what we want? Don't we all want to know that life has a purpose? Love is real. We're not alone and that we can be forgiven. Don't we all want to live lives free from guilt and shame, from, self, from selfishness and self-centeredness, uh, freedom from emptiness and striving? Isn't that good news? Isn't that good news to those around us? And it was good news to me when I realized that all my efforts, uh, all all my goodness would never be good enough to get the life that I was looking for. I tried the bad way, I tried the good way, and both were incomplete apart from Jesus. It isn't good news that if we simply agree with it, it's only good news if we embody it. And Jesus embodied flesh. Jesus embodied love. Our lives are to scream of the reality of God. Yet we often have difficulty making a whisper. You see, we've heard this story so much that we've often lost our holy curiosity. We take the incredible work of God for granted and we're just looking for something else or the next thing. While the world around us, like I was, is going, what is this? God that you talk about? What is this love that you speak of? What is this good news? I knew nothing and a world apart from God knows nothing either. So how can we live in ways today that show God to those around us? How can we live in ways that would allow God's kingdom to come and his will to be done right here in Blaine, Washington? Well, sermon in a sentence is right here. We must be fully in Christ to rightly impact our community. If we want to see our community changed for Jesus, we must be fully in Jesus. We know what it's like to impact a community, and there's lots of good things that we could do for our community, but do we understand what it is to impact a community in the way that God desires? How do we impact Blaine in the way that God desires? We must be in Christ. We must be fully in Christ. To impact our community rightly, we must be in Christ fully. And the opposite of being in Christ fully is, is being fully into self. Selfish people can agree together to do positive things, but it's only something greater outside of self that will align methods and motives for significant change, for eternal change, for kingdom change. We must be in Christ. Jesus says in John 15, remain in me as I remain in you. If you remain in me, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, CTK Blaine, you can do nothing. As the Father has loved me, so I love you. Remain in my love. What then does it mean to remain in Christ's love? What does it mean to remain in Christ? Paul explains this at the end of Galatians 3. In Christ, your children of God, through faith, for all of you were baptized or surrendered into Christ, having clothed yourselves with Christ. There's neither Jew nor Gentile religious or runaway, slave, nor free, nor is there male or female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. Paul states that our identity in Christ is greater than the ways we normally classify each other. To be in Christ is to be one in Christ. To be in Christ is to be his. To be in Christ is to be his, uh, in ways that show that his ways are greater and his plans are the greatest. But it feels pretty good to be selfish, right? I mean, I don't know about CTK Blaine. But I gotta tell you, in Bellingham, I live among the reprobates in Bellingham, of which I am one. <laughs> and in Bellingham, it feels good to be selfish. See, we love to drink the coffee we want. And, uh, We might be responsible knowing where it came from or who the beans were harvested by, but we only know in ways that make us feel more generous or make us feel more responsible. Ways that if not in check would make us arrogant and proud. We're arrogant and proud people in Bellingham. But we love feeling generous, and we love appearing responsible. But the decisions we make are still selfishly about us. And selfish, if we're honest, feels good. Selfish has an immediate return that selfless doesn't always see. The easiest way to hide selfishness is through nobility right? If I feel noble about what I'm doing, then it must not be selfish. If I feel like what I'm doing is helping other people, then it must not be selfish. We, we hide our selfishness through nobility. We feel noble because we support the latest cause that supports the latest cause that makes us feel good. And we feel noble, which hides that supporting the latest cause is more about making us feel good than it is actually about impacting what the latest cause is impacting. Do you guys see any of this in Blaine? Because I see this all the time in Bellingham. I'm going to say this again. People hide their selfishness through good acts, through noble acts, but apart from Jesus, right? Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Do we believe in the words of Jesus or we, do we believe in our selfish nobility? The ways we hide our selfishness in Bellingham can be creative or cliche. It can be new ways or the same old ways, but we don't want to be called selfish, Because we're proud. We're proud of the noble things we're doing and the noble ways that we're trying to help the Pacific Northwest. And proud and selfish people are evidence of a need for Jesus. Through the history of humanity, there have been proud and selfish people. But if God created everything and gives us our very breath, which Mikey stated this morning in worship, we really have very little to be proud of because it all comes from him. If his command to put him first in all things is the way that we can rightly love and rightly live, then we have no reason to be selfish. We have to be surrendered to the truth of who he is. If we're to impact community rightly, we must be in Christ fully Because only Jesus can purify our motives. And it makes no sense to invite others to exchange their noble selfishness for our religious selfishness. And throughout the history of the world, the most selfish people have hidden in church while claiming to live for God. That's one of those sentences that makes everybody kind of quiet. But I'm going to say it again, throughout the history of the world, the most selfish people have hidden in churches while claiming to live for God. You know, that's true, but it sucks that it's true. And if we don't acknowledge that, we cannot repent of that. And if we cannot repent of that, we cannot be any different than the people that have gone before us in the name of Jesus causing damage that is hurting our community and they're punishing us for it, though we had nothing to do with it understand the key to this, the heart of the city is to be in Christ in ways that we would love and live differently, own our responsibility, help people through their pain and walk them to the redemption that only Jesus can provide. Jesus is the only one that can save us from our, our false humility Our vanity, our religious posturing, and our spiritual selfishness. Jesus is the only one who can save us from our false humility, from our vanity, from our religious posturing, and from our spiritual selfishness. Come Lord Jesus. How does he do that? We're to tune our lives to the life of Jesus. Have you seen a tuning fork? You know, it's like two metal rods, and you, and you hit it, and bong, it creates this this uh, this note. Um, it's it's supposed to be this perfect pitch that you can then tune all your other instruments to, like like violins and stringed in- instruments will use a, a tuning fork. Now, I get to work with a lot of people in a, in a lot of different locations, a lot of different ages, and if you aren't aware, I'm going to let you know that it is popular now to love Jesus, but not love the church. And for many reasons that we stated, people punish the church for what the church has got wrong in the past. They punish the church in the present for what the church has gone wrong in the past. And right or wrong, this is the world that we live in. And if we try to just tell people to act moral or just put their head down or just ignore the tragic things that that, that the church around us has done, people will continue to think that we are irrelevant. So, what does it look like then to step into community while having the responsibility of helping people understand the position of the church while also acknowledging where we've got it wrong? Because that's what the world needs to see today sin is damaging. And sin has a ripple effect. And for many reasons, the church has to own and be accountable for the ways that selfishness and sin have crept in. And many of us, me included, have been impacted by a leader or a teacher in a church who chose sin or selfishness over the ways of Jesus. And before we judge, we need to all recognize we've done the same thing. We've all, in light of The incredible things that God has done privately or publicly chosen selfishness or sin over the righteousness and freedom that he provides. And this is why we need a tuning fork. This is why we need each other. This is why we gather saints, because it is the tune of Jesus in community that we align ourselves to. The answer is not to abandon the church. We know the church isn't a building, a denomination, or an organization. The church, in its simplest sense, is the family of God. The church is God's redemptive plan to reveal Christ to the community. And when we're busy fighting with each other or talking about why it's easier to be apart than together, the world isn't going to see us loving or living differently. We have to do some repair work. We have to do some healing. We have to be honest. We have to be courageous. We have to rebuild trust. We have to learn forgiveness. We have to practice reconciliation. And isn't it convenient that that's the very ministry that God has called us to? He gives us the ministry of reconciliation with each other so that we can reconcile a world that is running from him back to him. And we need to understand that they're not just running in rebellious ways, they are running and hiding in noble older brother ways as well, right? And both the the runaway younger brother and the the self-righteous older brother need to understand the love of the father rightly. And it is our job as a community, to align ourselves with the truth of who he is so that people can see him rightly. The person who can extend grace is the person who has received it. And you receive grace in community. The wisest person doesn't throw, but drops the rock. When grace is modeled, it can be followed. And grace and forgiveness, restoration of sin, and correction of selfishness cannot happen alone. Apart from the tuning fork of Jesus expressed in the community of his people, we will tune ourselves to the limited view of God we already have and continue to be a one-note band doing our own thing. And if... the tuning fork went, we would see how far, again, we would have to come to realign ourselves to the truth of who he is. None of us has it right independently, but together we put him first and foremost and declare the lordship of Jesus in our community and we all align ourselves to the true tune of Jesus. The weekend service is a chance to come together to hear the tuning fork of Jesus and to align ourselves rightly to him. We are to be instruments of truth and grace, which means our instruments need to be tuned to Jesus. We must tune ourselves to his holiness. We must tune ourselves to his love. We must tune ourselves to the lordship of him in all things. And when we sing songs together, if we participate rightly, we adjust our lives again to the grace that he extends. In in in, in com- community, we sing songs that glorify him. We worship him. We praise him. And we are reminded of his greatness, how big he is and how small we are. And we are thankful. And grace just, just flows through our community as we sense his presence. Because we know that he is here and we don't Deserve him, but what an incredible thing that he's here anyway. And in community, we gather so that we can hear the truth of God's word proclaimed, hopefully from someone who's, who's humble and has spent time with him and loves him more than anything. And because when, when God's truth goes out, it's like a sword and it penetrates the deepest part of us. And we get a chance to realign ourselves to the truth of who he is. God exposes us in his word because he loves us. He does He doesn't expose us to shame us. He doesn't expose us to condemn us, but he does through his truth expose us in ways that allow us to recenter our lives on him. The church family is not a passive gathering. It's an active one. We actively surrender to the one who created all. We don't adjust to preference. We don't adjust to our own understanding. We don't stand unaffected during worship, and we don't sit unaffected during a message. We adjust. We realign. That's That's our job. His job is to be the Lord of everything, and our job is to adjust our lives to him. Every part of our lives, we adjust to the truth of who he is. And those tuned rightly will reverberate his love through the community. Those tuned rightly will reverberate his love through the community. It says in 1 Corinthians 3, we all with unveiled faces, right? Faces that have experienced God's holiness and now radiate it back. We contemplate the Lord's glory. We're being transformed into his image we're being transformed because there's something in need of continual transformation. It doesn't say we were transformed once and all. We are being transformed into the image with ever-increasing glory. The more we believe this, the more that we actively participate in the family of God, the more that people sense and know the reality of his presence here because we are being transformed Into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord. And then it says, Who is the Spirit? Right? Here we see that the Holy Spirit of God is active and present and working among his church. We're not tuned by good ideas or self effort. Our lives are only tuned to the truth and grace of Jesus by the Holy Spirit of God. Are you open? Are you open to God? Are you open to receiving what he wants to give? Because he he did give a statement 2,000 years ago, but today he gives his spirit to those who are willing. Are you open to God's spirit changing you? The degree that we impact our community for God is directly correlated to the degree that we are in God. The degree in which we can give to others is the degree in which we've received from God. Most of you are familiar with the butterfly effect. Many of you have seen this in, uh, you know, movies or books. If you go back in time, the problem with going back in time, of course, time travel, is the butterfly effect. Everybody knows this, right? So you got to watch the Marty McFly thing, or I mean, there's, uh, you know, there's multiple universes now. Um, if you go back in time, a butterfly could land on something which could cause a cataclysmic event which would uh, impact the future, right? Everybody's familiar with the butterfly effect, right? We've all heard this. The problem is we're not time travelers, at least not yet. So I'd like you to consider something different. I'd like you to consider the dominoes effect. Not the pizza. That's a different effect. (laughs) But you know, you line up the dominoes. Have you heard of a domino show? There's world records, yes? world records where um, you, you, you try and line up the most dominoes you can and you set off the dominoes to see how long this domino trail can go and they time it and it keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger and they keep finding more dominoes. You know, they stopped making them a while ago but they keep finding more and. <laughs> but the domino effect is, is, is this idea that you set one off and it, it, it sets off others. But if you were to walk into a room where there's a domino show, there is dominoes set up everywhere, and you don't know the first one to set off. And if, if you set off the wrong one, it, it might knock half of them down. And if you set off a different one, it, it might knock all of them down, but it might knock them down in the wrong order, and it might knock them down really quickly. And instead of it being a long, drawn-out domino show, it's just a, one of those. <laughs> How do we know? How do we know what dominoes Are going to put into effect because we're not a butterfly back in some false reality if we were time travelers but we are God's daughter or son very present and very active in the world today and like it or not you are going to leave this building and you are going to set off a ton of events based on your actions and you need to know this Selfishness causes selfishness, but righteousness causes righteousness. If you're rude to others, watch them be rude to others around you. But if you're kind to others, watch them extend kindness. A lot of people don't understand the kingdom kingdom principles are to reveal the goodness of God by showing that we can experience all the wonders and blessing that God has given us, but within the boundaries that he's given us. And the world just wants to to do it their own way and and, and go out of bounds and assume that that freedom is the type of freedom that they want. But within the kingdom of God, we have freedom, but we have freedom to enjoy the things God has blessed us with within the confines of what he's blessed us with. And if we understand God rightly, we see that his freedom is more freeing and more beneficial living according to his ways than the false freedom of doing whatever we want and causing damage. Damage wherever we go. Have you seen this yet? Because this is what it means to be in Christ. Your life is a domino show. Before we simply think that Jesus thought, do unto others. This isn't a morality lesson. Jesus taught do unto others in the context of the lordship of Jesus, right? Apart from me, you can do nothing. Be fully into me and then do unto others. We must remember his words, remain in him. He's love incarnate, the source of love. And loving others apart from him is always a selfish type of love expecting something in return. But his love is not self-centered or self-seeking. It's not rude. It's not easily angered. It doesn't envy or boast. God doesn't want a showing love to others. But a love that is surrendered and grounded in truth is what he wants us to show those Around us, a love that shows who He is—a love that's ba- uh, He doesn't want us showing a love that's based more on morals and ethics. A love that is is based on 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 the love that He wants through the Holy Spirit is a love that can change generations. And it's a love that started in my family that I'm hoping to ripple through generations. We're not the source of the love, but if we ask, we can know and have the source. God wants to live inside us completely so we can love others completely. So a prayer is, is like, God, will you fill me? God, will you fill me with your spirit so I can love others rightly? Will you help me again today? Where we lack in love, we ask God for more. Father, give me more of your spirit. When we run into community that reveals, I don't like it that way, we understand that preference is often the, the opposite of discipleship and we surrender our preference, our personal preference to God's preference, to the lordship of Jesus. And we realize that God will give us strength and love and perspective for others when we ask it, ask it from him. In this world, you'll knock over dominoes. You'll set off chain reactions. You'll knock over vases. You'll step on toes. You'll be misunderstood. You'll be gossiped about, and you'll be mistreated. This is a reality of humanity. So if that's true, if you are misunderstood, would you rather be misunderstood because of your selfishness or misunderstood because of your righteousness? Would you rather people seeing you being selfish And not understand why? Or would you rather people see you be ridiculously loving and not understand why? Because people will run from a selfish person. But they'll be curious about a person who responds and lives differently in their community. And before we think this means more effort, we must understand it simply means to surrender. We must daily surrender to the truth of who God is. To offer ourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to Him daily. This is our spiritual act of worship. You were crucified with Christ. It's no longer you who live, but Christ who lives in you. And instead of us coming to Him exhausted, can't we ask, the one who gives strength, to give us strength and teach us to rest and listen to the ways that he wants to give us strength and rest in him. Instead of living self-centered lives with God on the side, can't we learn to live God-centered lives with self-surrendered insides? He must become greater, right? We must become less. God says he'll provide a comforter, the Holy Spirit, and we must receive We're foolish to think we have anything other than Jesus for this community. But if Christ is God, and Christ is king of his very present kingdom, if, if, if Jesus is teaching us how to live, and if Jesus is teaching us how to love, if Jesus is not distant, if Jesus is present, if God is not against us, but God is for us, if he is not condemning, but he is loving, If God does not uh, push us aside but extends forgiveness, then we have all the good news that this community needs. We just have to help them to see it. And those tuned rightly will reverberate his love rightly in and through community. God dwells in us. So that we can show the reality of him to every community that we're in. God dwells in us so that we can show the reality of him in every community that we're in. I'm going to ask you to pray with me. And this is a, it's a very active prayer. Because I don't know where you're at with God today, but God does. You may even not, but God knows. You may think you're good and God's saying, you know what, we're kind of distant. Or you may think you're distant and God may say, no, I'm actually really close. And the idea of aligning ourselves with him is saying, God, will you teach me the reality of where we are today? The reality and the truth of who you are today so I can align myself to you. And we see this in in three ways. The first way is we surrender. We say, God, not my will, but yours be done. You are God and I am not. I have to surrender my life to you. And then we see this in sacrifice. You know, there's a correlation between justification and the size of our God. If your God's really small, you can justify just about anything. You can live however you want. You can be with whoever you want. You can spend your money however you want. But if God is who he is, if he is massive and holy and awesome and righteous, then it's no sacrifice at all to just say, yeah, God, what's mine is yours. And we are never going to see him rightly to sacrifice appropriately until we surrender fully. So the first step is surrender, God, I am yours. And then, and then sacrifice comes from seeing, oh man, it is so good to be in you. I love you, God. I want to align my entire life, my finances, my sexuality, my identity, my hobbies, my spare time, my service, my integrity. I just align it all under you, God and then we just steward what's left. And the freedom for those who are in Christ is, is that it's just joy to take care of the leftovers. It's just joy, it's not stuff, we don't find our identity in it, it's just a bunch of leftovers that we're getting to take care of because our Father chose to bless us in some ways that we are going to steward for his purposes and anything other than that is sin. And so right now, I'm asking you, will you align yourself in the way that you need to? And again, I don't know. I just want the Holy Spirit here right now. And if you've been resistant to him or distant, will you say, Holy Spirit, will you come? Search me, oh God, know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there be any anxious or sinful or selfish way in me and lead me in your way everlasting. God, we love you holy God would you come Holy Spirit come fill us change us help us God help us receive you your gift so we can be the gift in our community that you want them to see help Blaine see that there is a God in heaven by the way we love you and love each other but God, let it start first by aligning ourselves completely with You, not so not once, but every day, in Your name, Jesus. Amen.